Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. This is a beautiful morning and a beautiful day that the Lord has given us in which to rejoice and be glad. Let me extend a welcome to everyone who is here, whether personally present in the sanctuary or visiting with us via electronic means. It's a joy to be with you. I have to tell you that um, as I was walking down the aisle this morning, getting ready to start worship, it occurred to me, a little voice came, it might be from God. God said, Jack, you need to dye your hair red. I hear an amen. Amen. Really good to have the two of you. <laughs> Friends, let's be called together in worship as we read responsively from the 16th Psalm. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. familiar are we with that term? Confession is good for the soul. James writes this in the book of the New Testament, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. How nice it is that we can come together as a community and say, Lord God, forgive us, restore us. Will you please join me as together we pray the prayer of confession. Almighty God, in Jesus Christ, you called us to be a servant people, but we do not do what you command. We are often silent when we should speak and useless when we could be useful. We are lazy servants, timid and heartless, who turn neighbors away from your love. Have mercy on us, O God, and though we do not deserve your care, Forgive us and free us from sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Hear now these words. Here is a testimony that God loves us so much that we have forgiveness. Through his son, Jesus Christ, we are free. Our souls are set free. 
because of Christ's love for each one of us. Thanks be to God. of Christ be with you. Now before you turn, grab hold of one another and give them that peace of Christ, I want to invite all the children, fifth grade and below, to go to the back of the sanctuary where you'll meet your Sunday school teachers. And if you are sixth grade up through high school, go on over to the youth room. Now, go greet. <laughs> Friends, we are moving into that time of year where there is so much going on, it's tempting to completely forego the sermon and just give announcements. <laughs> I expected that, and I know who started it, and I don't, didn't even see. That's okay. Let's run through some stuff. First of all, today, following this service, we are going to have an informational meeting for our upcoming confirmation class. If you're sixth grade and above, if you have a child who's sixth grade and above, uh, if you're mentally sixth grade and above, maybe, and just need to learn about the faith, come to lunch and you'll learn about our confirmation class. Next week is our alternative Christmas market. We'll have all of our mission folks here out on the patio and the fellowship center so that you you can learn about mission opportunities and through support of those missions, give gifts to those whom you love. You'll hear more about that next week, but plan to stay for a while after worship. Also, next Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we have a free concert that's going to involve a free will offering. The concert's going to support the efforts of our choir to take the message of the gospel to Ireland next year. So plan and enjoy that wonderful, wonderful concert that's coming up. On the 21st, a week from Monday, we'll be making uh, lunch bags for the interfaith community service, and Jan Farley can tell you more about that, and we'd encourage you to be involved in that and all of our different mission opportunities. Then two weeks from today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we'll have a village Christmas festival, four o'clock in the afternoon. A great time to gather with everybody, have some great food, some great fellowship, some great fun. And we'd like to encourage you to invite lots of other people to come and enjoy. So out on the belly up tables in the narthex, we have these little business cards that are basically brief announcements about the Village Christmas Festival. We encourage each one of you to take several of these, hand them to people you know and love and that you want to come and enjoy the fellowship of that time. If you don't want them to come, don't give them one of these cards. Am I clear on that? But if you do want them to come, give them one of these cards. You have an insert in your bulletin today that lists all the different activities that are coming up through the Christmas season, so be sure to consult with that and then to arrange your calendar accordingly. Let me also mention that on Sunday, December 4th, of course, we'll have one worship service here at 10 and then a luncheon afterward to celebrate Jan Farley's ministry among us. We have some little cards out on the patio today. If you'd like to write a personal note via a personal card, find that table out under the small pergola and you can write to Jan in that way. Also want to mention very briefly that somebody we do not see anymore on Sunday mornings 
is celebrating a birthday. We don't see him because he's up in what I call the television production booth in charge of all the sound and light and a bunch of stuff going on here along with Drew there at the back table. Adrian Narlock is 43 today. So happy birthday, Adrian. Look up into the, there we go. Happy birthday to you. I'm waiting to see if he'll flash the lights or something and let us know that he, that he heard what was going on. Happy birthday, Adrian. Well, friends, we celebrate lots of things, and just two days ago, our nation celebrated Veterans Day. It is a great tradition of this congregation on the Sunday closest to Veterans Day to take a moment to recognize those who have given their service through military work in the life not only of this nation, but many other nations. And so what I want to do is, as I call out your particular branch of service, if you have served or are serving, I'd invite you to stand and remain standing until all are standing, and then we will express our appreciation together. So, if you are part of the United States Army in any way, shape, or form, past, present, or maybe even future, would you please stand? Excellent. Okay, United States Coast Guard. Any Coast Guard? We're going to clap later. Merchant Marine. United States Air Force. United States Navy. United States Marine Corps. And let me also ask, because we have had in the past, I don't know if we have now, but we've had folks who have served in the armed forces of other nations. If you have served in the armed forces, we got two right. Golly, that's cool. Thank you all for your service. may be seated. Yesterday, in a beautiful memorial service, we remembered someone who, for many, many years, was deeply involved in the life and ministry of this congregation. Our flowers here today are left from Rusty Fry's memorial service. As we celebrated Rusty's life, it occurred to me that his life was a wonderful illustration of a very, very important dynamic within Christian discipleship. And that dynamic is that each one of us are called to encourage others, to strengthen others, to walk alongside others in the life of the faith. And in that way, we as family help each other become stronger become more faithful disciples to Jesus. Many of Rusty's qualities were noted yesterday, but one in particular was noted maybe more than others, and that is that Rusty had a wonderful gift of generosity. He always was thinking and talking about how he could take the blessings that God had given him and use them for the sake of others in the ministry of the church and in many, many other worthy things in our community. In the many, many conversations that I had with Rusty, sometimes individually and personally, sometimes within committee contexts and other gatherings, Rusty helped me to see how part of Christian life is about seeking to grow in our understanding of the gifts and blessings that God has given to us, and then to seek to grow more and more generous and faithful in giving. Not just in financial giving, but also, and in Rusty's case especially, in financial giving. It is Rusty's inspiration and guidance in many ways that has served this church so faithfully and well. 
And I'm thinking of him not to lift him up as some special kind of person in the life of the church, but to remind all of us that each one of us has an important role to play in contributing to the life of faithful people and contributing to the ministry of Christ in the world. Our stewardship theme for this season has been look to the rock. Look to the one who truly teaches us and inspires us and guides us in ways that will help us to build solid lives. One of the things that we do as we look to the rock is we discover God's generosity in the gift of Himself in His Son, in the gift of our lives, in the gift of all the blessings that we enjoy and that we share. And so now in the spirit of generosity, generosity first demonstrated for us by God, we will present to God today not only our weekly tithes and offerings, but also our commitments, our plans, our dreams, our hopes for our financial giving in the coming year. Let's be generous.
Please be seated. I would ask for you to take a breath and center your hearts as we come to God in, wor in worship and in prayer. Welcome, welcoming, warm, and loving God, you have wept for us and died for us and overcome death for us. We are embraced by your kind and tender will to abide with us, to nourish our hungry souls and transform our lives. Spirit, let us burst through our hesitancies and run with wild abandon into a sacred called life, to walk as your body on earth and in your footsteps. Lord, a call in which we are hungry and thirsty to share your radical love, a life in which we are fearless, even in our fear, to make supreme sacrifices and to bear audacious witness to those who do not yet know you. But keep ever before us, Lord, that it is your spirit and your will that moves us to such deep and committed love. May we always remember that we are able to love because you first loved us. So let us be humbly generous to others with our forgiveness and goodwill. We recognize, loving one, the fragility we live with at this moment in time, a fragile peace, fragile health, fragile earth, fragile economy, and fragile spirit. We ask that your peace, which goes beyond our understanding, invade this fragility to let hope flow into the lives of the hopeless and bring strength to the weak and to the helpless. Empower us, Lord, to step up and step in wherever there are those in need, wherever there is injustice, and wherever the resources that we have, when shared, can become an agent of transformation. But above all, dear Savior, teach us to love and love and more love. Humble us when we judge some to be unlovable. Remind us that you have poured out your love freely to all, and therefore we must freely give. We must freely love. And until that completeness arrives, O oh Lord, let us trust steadily in you, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly with the heart to know that the greatest of these is love. Hear these prayers, O oh God, and hear us as we lift up the prayer your son taught us when praying to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. i 
A reading from the Gospel according to John. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned, I am coming 
to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And my Father will love them. Jesus answered them, those who love me will keep my word. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. You and I are learning how to build our lives on rock. How many of you still have the first rock that we gave you? I'm not going to ask if there are those who have lost your rock. <laughs> there are more rocks outside. Just slide over and very quietly and unobtrusively reach over and grab another rock. People will think you're taking a rock to give to someone else. It's okay. How many of you have the second rock that we gave you? Good. It's a rock that looks like this, has a cross on it. That's excellent. We are building our lives on rock because we remember that Jesus said that a wise person is the person who builds life on rock. The rock that is Jesus' words, Jesus' example, Jesus' friendship, Jesus' lordship. As you think about it, the business of building life on the rock of Christ is about having a relationship with Him. It's a personal relationship between you and Jesus, but it's also a relationship that involves you with other people. How many of you, for instance, married the love of your life and then discovered that when you got married, along with the deal came all of that person's family and friends. <laughs> I'm smiling, Helen. Where are you? Yeah, there she is. Good. <laughs> That's the way it is with not just marriage relationships, but in a sense with all relationships. When you begin to develop a relationship with a person, a person, along with that person comes all the other people that are related to that person. That's how it works on Facebook, doesn't it? Hi, you have a mutual friend. This other friend has 82 friends that are the same friends as your friends, and they have way more friends than you do. Wouldn't you like to make a new friend? That's the way it works. And so our relationship with Jesus necessarily involves us in relationships with other people. Now, I want to talk today about that relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to make my central point right now. Please wake up, then you can go back to sleep. Here's the point. To have the benefit of a relationship with Jesus, you actually have to have a relationship with Jesus. 
I'll say it again a few more times. That's actually what Jesus was saying to his first disciples as he was visiting with them when he said that they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And so again, in order to have the benefit of a relationship with Jesus, you actually have to have a relationship with Jesus. As always, I ask the question, how? Theoretical theology, theoretical philosophy, conjecture and conversation about things of God are wonderful, magnificent things, but I have no use for them unless they tell me something about how I'm going to live my life. How do you actually have a relationship with Jesus? Now, we presume that you know about Jesus. That's fundamentally what the business of evangelism is in the life of the church, telling other people that there is Jesus and that they might want to get to know Jesus and that you, in getting to know Jesus, have found something that profoundly changes your life. There are still lots of people in the world who actually never have heard about Jesus. They know nothing about Christianity. It's mind-boggling to us, I suppose, but it's true. And so, thank God for those people who are telling other people about Jesus. But once you know about Jesus, then you get to decide if you want to have a relationship with Him. You can say yes, but something has to happen after that. Let's look at the negative side for a moment. How do you not have a relationship with Jesus? Well, let's think about all other relationships. Did you ever ask somebody to go on a date and they didn't show up? Were you ever asked to go on a date and you didn't show up, that's one really good way how not to have a relationship. Just don't show up. How about when you meet someone and you say, let's be friends, but they never call you up to go to lunch? You never call them up to play golf? You said, we want to be friends, but but you never spend any time together. I've seen people sometimes that get married to someone, and it's as if they just sort of did it on a whim or didn't think about what it meant, but, but they didn't realize that if you're going to be married to someone, you've got to spend time with that person, energy with that person. Yes, we introduce Jesus to people and we say, you need to know Jesus, you need to believe in Jesus, and lots of people do, but then they never spend any time, any energy, any thought doing anything with Jesus. If you're going to have a relationship with Jesus, you actually have to have the relationship with Jesus. So let's look at the positive side now. Much prefer to do that. Jesus actually tells us how we can have a relationship with him. He says it to the first disciples. He says it to us. Keep my word. Obey my commandments. What does that mean? 
We obviously cannot, in the same way that we can have a conversation with each other right now, we cannot have that same kind of conversation with Jesus, but in a way we don't need to do that because we've already heard from Jesus. So he says, learn my word. And then he says, even more importantly, do my word. Because as you do what I have done and what I have taught you to do, you actually begin to learn who I am. And then you repeat that over and over and over again. Have you ever considered the fact that in your life, there are people who have influenced who you are because you have begun to do things as they have done them. I mentioned Rusty a few moments ago. Rusty influenced my life and helped me learn to begin thinking more and more and more about generosity. But in every aspect of life, I hope there are people in your lives who because of the way they have lived their lives and the things they have said about their lives and their simple being with you have had an influence on how you have acted and how you have thought. Come to think of it, that's why your mother warned you about certain people. Maybe you were the person that other people's mothers were warning them about. I mean, who knows? right? Your mother warned you about being with certain people out of the conviction and knowledge and even a little bit of fear that you would begin to become like that person. Well, as we do what Jesus did, as we think Jesus' thoughts, as we learn Jesus' words, as we make Him our Lord and our friend and our master and our God, as we spend time with Him, we begin to become like Him. And so to have the benefit of a relationship with Jesus, you actually have to have a relationship with Jesus. The result of that, the result of that, Jesus says, is that you will be at home with God. It's right there in John. Do my word, listen to my word, live my word, and we will make our home with you. Home is a good thing. It's meant to be anyway. Home is where you can go to be safe, to be secure, to be loved, to be encouraged, to be nurtured, to be fed and strengthened so you can go back out into the big bad world (laughs) and keep on going. If we want to be at home with God, then we need to have a relationship with Jesus. That's the result of a real relationship. Now, Jesus also mentions in this conversation two other, I'll call them corollary points, if you will, but they're vital to us. The first is that there is no substitute for a relationship with Jesus, and there are no shortcuts in a relationship with Jesus. It is perhaps one of the most profound yet also most controversial statements in the Scriptures when Jesus says there in the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to John, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's a highly exclusive statement. I am, Jesus says, the way, the truth, the life. Now, there are many ways that we can understand which, what Jesus said that 
that give us an opportunity and the possibility for hoping and believing that Jesus includes many people in a relationship with him, perhaps even some people who reject that relationship or don't understand that relationship, but there you have it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Christians that believe that in Jesus and Jesus alone, we have the event of the union between human and divine, the place in physical space and the time in actual history when God and human were one and in that oneness all kinds of things happened and that if we are to have a relationship with God, it is through this one named Jesus. No substitutes but also no shortcuts. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Forever. He was speaking about the Holy Spirit. And of course, this touches on the, the great mystery of the Trinity that no one completely understands but that we confess. God is three, God is one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God the Son was preparing the disciples for his departure from earth and said, I'm going to be with you now as God the Spirit and God the Spirit is going to be with you forever. A relationship with Jesus, with God, with the Spirit is one that goes forever. In this life, it begins small. It begins haltingly. It begins with more questions, perhaps, than answers, more confusion, perhaps, than clarity. But like every relationship, it is meant to grow and develop and change. Those of us who've been married for 800 years to the same person know that person better than we used to. And they know us better than they used to. And the only miracle is, is that they stay married to us. <laughs> there are no substitutes, no shortcuts. Now, remember that we are trying to build on rock and we want to build well. We want to keep building. We want never to give up. And so, always we must remember that to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to have a relationship with Jesus and there are no substitutes, no shortcuts. Once upon a time, there was a preacher who served a poor little church. The church had struggled for years. It had very few people. It had even less money. But this poor little church, the building in which it worshiped, was starting to fall apart. And it badly, badly, badly needed a new coat of paint. And so the preacher in visiting with the board of the church, learned that there was no money. There was nobody even willing to help paint, but he realized that as the pastor of that congregation, he needed to do something. So one day with the meager resources that he had, he went and bought some paint and he started to paint the church. And as he began to finish the first side, it became very evident that he was not going to have enough paint. And so he thinned the paint out with some water. And he kept painting. And as he kept painting, it was very, very evident that he wasn't going to have enough paint. And so he thinned the paint some more. And then he had to thin the paint again. And by the time he got finished painting the church, it was painted more with water than it was with paint. But at least he had finished he knelt down on his knees to praise God that he had finished painting the church and all of a sudden the heavens opened up and a humongous thunderstorm raged against that little church and washed all the paint off the walls. 
And so instead of praying a prayer of thanksgiving, he raised his clenched fist in the air and he said, my God, why, why, why? And God spoke. And said, repaint. (laughs) And thin no more. I tell that one every 10 years from this pulpit, and I love it still. There are no substitutes. There are no shortcuts. There is nothing to replace a relationship with Jesus. To have the benefit of a relationship with Jesus, you actually have to have a relationship with Jesus. It's the most important one you'll ever have. And it changes for the better. All the others you will have. To have the benefit of a relationship with Jesus, you actually have to have a relationship with Jesus. Amen. It's good on a regular basis to affirm those truths that bind us together as a faithful community of God. So family of God, if you will stand if you're able and with one voice, let's lift our hearts and spirits and affirm our faith. With what shall we come before the Lord and bow ourselves before God on high? Shall we come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord please be with thousands of rams, with 10,000s of rivers of oil? Shall we give our firstborn for our transgressions, the fruit of our bodies for the sins of our souls? He has told us what is good, And what does the Lord require of us but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God?
Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus wants you to have the best, to have everything, to have the kingdom of God in your life, in your heart, in your words, in your actions, in every breath. That's what he wants for you. And the way you can have it, the way I can have it, is by coming close to him, trusting that he will never let us go, and trusting that he will lead us into the kingdom of heaven in our own heart and in what we do as we welcome others into everything that he wants them to have too. That's what's at stake here. To have a relationship with Jesus, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. May the Spirit of the living God bless and be with you now and forever. Amen. Amen.